Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. Hey, the last few weeks have been a roller coaster of emotion, of planning, of strategies, of changing. And in the middle of that, this last week, a friend sent me a text uh, saying, Hey, Andy, I was thinking of you. Exodus 33:11 comes to mind. And it's the story of Moses who would go out to the tabernacle outside the tent or outside the camp where the Israelites were in the desert. And he would said he would talk with God face to face like a man would talk to his friend. And then Moses would go back to work. And it said, but Moses' servant Joshua would remain, would linger, would stay longer. And what struck me is that Joshua was the servant of Moses. Moses would command Joshua to do things. He'd go get things done. uh, Joshua would be the one that had so much more tasks to do. But he was the one that lingered longer in the presence of God. Just that thought come to mind, two sides. One, I've got so much to do. I just need to take a few more minutes in the presence of God because I acknowledge that's where my source is from. Secondly, I've got so much to do. I'm just going to pause and just want to thank God that you are so good, so kind, that my source of increase is you. My significance, my satisfaction, my security are found in your presence. That changes everything. That is the secret source of all our increase is our connection with God himself. He is the one that causes things to grow, to increase. It's the favor of God on my life. So this challenge and invitation to come back to that and rewire and remember that my significance and value come from my identity in Him, not from the things that I accomplish. So welcome to this episode is actually a repost of a session that I did at a Heaven and Business conference called The Performance of Rest. It's actually this invitation into true identity in God, what it looks like, the bumps of my journey in that process, and how you can access the same, how anxiety is evidence of an inferior identity or kingdom operating in me. And just remember, if you want more of this and join with us in person or online, Jump on to heavenandbusiness.com backslash free dash trial. Find out about that membership and we would love to join you every single week as we grow with God, grow in business and grow in influence. See you again next week and listen on for this wonderful episode, The Performance of Rest. People are dying for a demonstration and it's our job to demonstrate, to show them. And it doesn't come from performance. It comes from just revealing and opening up our lives. It comes from this. I just want to talk about the performance of rest. Exodus 33, 14, God speaks to Moses. We talked about this yesterday. Moses is arguing with God. Like he's changing the mind of God. Is it possible if God has all the power and you have no power, that means you just obey? But God allowed himself to be influenced by a man. Which means that if you're the CEO, the boss, the head of your home, the whatever you are, if God can be confronted by Moses and by Abraham, what about you? Is it possible that he doesn't just want slaves or servants, but he wants sons and daughters that will carry his heart and represent him in the earth? Like Doug talked about, when they walk into my business, do they experience love? Because they're not going to experience that anywhere else. In my department, whether I'm the janitor or the CEO or the chairperson of the board. What if they walked into our businesses, our communities and experienced love? Then they say, who are you people? Who are you people? Was I telling a story? No, I was just talking about Moses. <laughs> Moses changed the mind of God. He says, and God says, okay, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. rest. I will give you rest. I've had 
a story and conversation after conversation with high-level business people, uh, high-level educational people, and pastors and leaders are no different. They reach this phenomenal success in life, whether that's a growing a business, accumulating wealth, growing this ministry, and their wife hates them, their children hate them, and they're broken and empty on the inside. They say, but God led me, and God directed, and God provided, and God protected. But there's brokenness on the inside. Something's missing. What's missing? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I want to propose to you that the only distinguishing feature that you really have on the earth today is His presence and rest. Everyone around you is just running faster, running faster, running faster. What if it's actually, I go slower to go faster? I hear his voice. Mary and Martha. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And and it said, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard him. If our praying is just talking to God, we're not praying. If If you walk into a prayer meeting and walk out the same, you haven't prayed. Because praying is about connecting with him and hearing his voice. But it said of Martha that Martha was distracted with too much serving. I think us as business people, as followers of Jesus, have been doing too much serving. It doesn't mean that serving is a bad thing, but it does mean that you can do too much of it. And we've missed what is most important, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say. If he knows where the fish are, what if you spent time listening and asking him? And just, just listening, like, like not speaking. As in just like these are my, like we would say, turn up your vocal, turn down your vocal cords and up your eardrums. If I just listened. If I just listened. Uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, Eric Johnson here prayed for this young man in his 20s. He had a sev- severed, cochlear nerve. So that's the nerve between your brain and your ear, which means how good will your hearing be? You've got no hearing from birth. You can't. It's physically impossible to hear. After praying for him, this young man in his 20s starts laughing and is communicating to his mum. He can now hear clapping and sounds. I, I think some of us have had a severed cochlear nerve And we need to just shut up and start listening more and truly believe that Jesus knows more about our business than we do. It is true. But if that is true, does does our lives demonstrate that? Or are we just running just as fast and just as anxious and just as scared as everybody else? So I've got some questions to ask you. Which came first, night or day? What came first, night or day? Night. Are you sure? Good. So, and there was evening and there was morning and it was the first day. So night comes first. So the start of your day is what? The evening. Which is what do you do in the evening? Rest. Okay, what came first? Work or rest? What day was man created? The sixth day. So at the end of the sixth day, God looks down and thinks, this is great. I've done a good job. And it said, and, and all his work was ended. So on the seventh day, which is man's first day, the first day of the week was what? The Sabbath. Which means to fast from work. We hadn't done any work. Is it possibly that we're upside down. We think we've got to work in order to rest, whereas the reality is we've got to rest in order to work. I grew up, if I pray harder, if I fast more, if I read more, then I will succeed, which is completely opposite. My success comes from just being born. I was adopted. He chose me and brought me into his family. I don't do anything. I've just got to do like Doug said. I bear fruit because it's what his life coming through me as opposed to me. It's like an apple tree doesn't work hard to produce an apple. 
oh, if I just, if I just try harder, it's going to happen. It just doesn't work like that. The more that you rest, the greater your performance. Uh, and do we have any musicians here? In, in, music, in, in music, you have a, a score, which is the, the chart of the sound. And you have, if everything was immediately jumbled together, it would be highly productive and get done very quickly. <laughs> but what would it sound like? It, it would sound terrible. They actually have a rest. The rest is what accents and makes everything else sound so beautiful. The rest in your life is what makes everything else beautiful. Third question is, where does your increase come from? Where does your increase come from? If I work, then I will increase. If I will feed myself, then I... How much do you make yourself grow? How much control do you have over your growth? So, well, if I eat a huge amount, I'm going to grow in ways that I don't want to grow. <laughs> True. But if you get a child, how much do they control their growth? Do they control their growth? So, so we go back to the beginning because that was our mandate. Genesis it says that God made the fish of the seas and he commanded, be fruitful and multiply, fill the oceans. He made the beasts of the field. He said, be fruitful and multiply and increase and fill the land. And the same with the birds. Then he said to man, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. When he speaks, it happens. He is set in motion by his word, something that happens. It's impossible for it not to happen. So where does that increase come from? God. He set it in motion. And Paul says, one waters and one sows. And you think you're amazing but actually the increase is from God. So if our increase and all increases from God, what's the most valuable, most important thing, most greatest priority for us to have? Being with Him. So our mandate, Genesis 1.28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We focus on that. That's the mandate. But then God took the man and He put him into a what? A garden, right? Am I? Is this true? You're awake. Yeah. <laughs> just too much. Just after too much steak after lunch. Put him into a garden. Who built the garden? God did. So he put him into something that was already established. He put here's a tree. Here's a here's a plant. How much did Adam know about the garden? Nothing. Knew nothing. How much, did, how much work did Adam do to build this phenomenal garden? Nothing. It's already fully formed garden. Mandate filled the earth. The method was he put him in a garden that was already established. And his command, the method to increase, was tend and keep, which means to cultivate and guard. Your increase comes from God. The way that you partner with Him is by cultivating, which means setting the culture and protecting that in a context of intimacy with my Father. Face to face with God, which means in His presence and in His peace. I walk in peace and I reach down. Does this flower, is this a flower or a weed? Because I'm clueless. And my father said, I feel a peace. Do I feel peace or do I feel an absence of peace? I live from peace because that's his presence. It's not, so I remove it. What things are in my life that I am cultivating that are helping growth, that are setting an atmosphere for these talents to flourish, and what things in my life are an atmosphere that are taking away from things flourishing? My job is to guard protect the things that grow, that will cause the, the atmosphere to grow, and to, to protect against the things that would cause it to take away. Number one, my life. Number two, my family. Number three, everything else, my business. If I will apply those three things, one, cultivate, two, guard it, three, which is really number one, in the context of my father, 
the increase is inevitable. So what's the most important thing? What is it that you're cultivating? What am I cultivating in my life? What is it that I'm protecting? What are the most important things? Because if I don't know, if I don't know what my priorities are, I will live someone else's. If I don't know what environment they want a culture in my business, in my family, in my community, I will live what someone else imposes on me. Is this making sense? So we just want to talk about this. I really want to just share some of my story of where I've come from in this journey to live from rest. And please don't hear that I've got it right, because you could just talk to my wife for three minutes and you'll find out that I haven't. So I'm not trying to say that, that I've got this, but we're on this crazy journey of learning to live from rest. Uh, Doug's on this journey of learning to live from rest in the middle of a lawsuit, which is potentially $6 million, and he's got absolute peace in the meeting. So if I walk into a meeting with peace and leave with anxiety, what is one? Anxiety has, which is fear. And fear, last time I checked, there is no fear in heaven. If I walk into a meeting with peace and leave with peace, it means that peace has overcome. So my greatest weapon is peace. Uh, in, in Nebraska, there's, I'm just thinking of how much details I should say. Uh, there's a hospital and a team, a ministry team from here was there and they they went into this hospital to pray for individuals and they only pray in the hallways because that's of the legal issues. This whole hospital, there were only four people there. And they're like, God, in the hallways that they could pray for. They go, what's, God, what's the problem? Like, you sent us here to pray for people. Couldn't you at least get them out of their rooms? And so they walk away and think, this is crazy. They searched every horrid corridor and hallway. Couldn't, couldn't bump into people. They leave wondering what the purpose of that was for. The next day, they hear word from the records keeper at the hospital that works for a local church that 50% of the patients went home. (laughs) To the point where they had to start laying off staff and started to pray for nurses, for the, for compensation for the nurses to live because they're not needed anymore. Is it possible that our greatest thing that we carry and release is His presence? It's His peace on our lives that we release an atmosphere of His presence. Jesus said, go into a house and when you walk into a house, say peace to this house and if there's a man of peace there, your peace will remain. Otherwise, what will return? Otherwise, your peace will come back to you. What do you mean? Peace is a transaction? Is this making sense? I walk in, I release peace, which is I'm releasing. What is peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God of all peace. (laughs) I release peace. His presence into, into a house. So let's go back a couple of thousand years in Jesus' time. In their house, what was their house? Was it just where they stayed in the evening and then, and they, then they left in the morning and went to their job? Their house was where they had their business. Their business and their house where they lived was the one same place. So I walk into a house, which is a business, and I say, peace to your house. And I release that peace on you so that everything you do, because you're a man of peace, prospers. God's purpose is that this city prospers, which means your business, your family must prosper. Is this making sense? Yeah. Jesus came to the disciples after he rose from the dead. He walks through the wall just because Jesus can. And he says, you're going to do greater things. So we won't talk about that one. And he says to the disciples, peace to you. What do the disciples do? Freak out. They freak out. It's like, this is a ghost. And so Jesus says, his peace gets bounced back to him, obviously. And he says, bring me some food. See, a ghost does not eat, does not need food. But I'm going to show you guys, look, I'm a human. 
I am flesh and blood. I am God in flesh. And then he says a second time, peace to you. Fear repels peace. Peace repels fear. What is it that I'm carrying? What is it I'm releasing? So it's just like we talk about how do you, how do you become a conduit of peace? Well, you've got to know what it is because you can only release what you carry, which means I've, the only way that I can get that is time in His presence. And the more time that I feel in His presence, that I get aligned with peace. Have you noticed that? Again, His presence, you feel peace. Now I've got something I can release. So if I'm getting anxious, what is anxiety? It's an invitation into greater peace because I need more. So any anxiety is an indication of an inferior kingdom. Anxiety is an indication of an inferior kingdom because we live from heaven to earth. So I align myself with peace. And now that I've got peace, the business ideas start to flow. The ideas to fix the situation, the conflict, they start to flow. The miracles start to flow. So there's a great atmosphere right now of peace. Have you noticed? To the point if we really leaned into that, the greatest you won't be able to stand. If we really just become aware of his peace, his presence. So if you're sitting here and you've got pain in your body, you walked in here with pain in your body, just test it out. Just check out if you've got the pain still. That means you can actually try something. Like if you need to stand, you can stand. But just check your body out. If you walked in with pain, what is it feeling like now? I'm sure there's... Okay, test it. Who's noticed a change? Already? What was, what was it, sir? I felt like I was overfull. <laughs> you felt like you're overfull? <laughs> just after lunch. And now? I feel good. The, the feeling of over... Oh my gosh, God, really? I overfilled myself and you took away that feeling? That's a good... What about you, sir? So came in with pain in your foot and it's not healed and it's not hurting anymore. Who else? I, uh, I just had like dental surgery and my pills are up there and I, was, I came in and I was like, I really should take one of those pills. I thought, no, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till you're done talking. And I didn't even realize that the pain had left. But you just said that. <laughs> so he walked in after lunch. He's got pain in his jaw from dental surgery. He's got pills on his seat, but he couldn't get to the seat because he didn't want to be rude and interrupt this wonderful speaker. And he was going to wait till afterwards, and then he just realized the pain is gone. It's, that's, I, I'll be clapping for that. What about over here? Was there some more? Sir, would... Okay. He's just praising God. That's okay. We just really... What about over here? You tested... What I want to encourage you to do is as we're just sitting here in this atmosphere talking about the more that you talk about him, he just shows up. The more that you become aware of him, the more that he just does things. So what we're learning is that in his presence is fullness, Psalm 16, fullness of joy, but it's also fullness of peace, fullness of health because it's who he is. So when I release the person of Jesus, just like Pastor Bill said yesterday, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which is evil, which is sickness, which is poverty. So when you walk into a business, wherever you go, you are here to displace any evidence of an inferior kingdom, any sickness, any poverty. So any lack, any injustice. So whenever you release the presence of God in your life, those are the things that leave, whether you know it or not. How much more effective if we know what we're doing? So we become intentional carriers of His presence, of His peace. And we walk into a board meeting and people start laughing. We walk into a, a business situation that's high, high conflict and someone's got to be dismissed and they thank us for it. Situations just turn because we, be, we become carriers of peace. The greatest privilege on the planet that we get to have is to host His presence. This is really, really good. So if you just as you're sitting there, just 
remind yourself, just check yourself out. We've seen the same thing. We, I practiced this on a class, so I know it works. <laughs> you just, with the students, it's just great fun practicing. So we've seen shoulders healed, um, uh, stomach pain gone, headaches just gone. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, in his presence is fullness. So anytime I become aware of his presence, things leave. Not just physical healing, but emotional healing. Because in his presence, the man at the Gadarenes, one encounter with Jesus, healed him physically, spiritually, emotionally, to the point where not from minus 100 to zero, but minus, from minus 100 to 100. Now go and actually proclaim this throughout the city. This is good. I thought, I thought this was just good news. So how is performance connected to identity? Did anyone grow up in a um, in the in planet Earth? Did anyone was did anyone grow up in planet Earth? There's a few people here. My wife and I in America we're considered aliens. Like legally by immigration we're considered aliens. So we are. This is what an alien looks like. Do we have any other aliens here? We do because we've got some those from the Czech Republic. You guys are aliens in here as well. So welcome. It's like hilarious. That's just an aside. So his performance connected. If we grew up on planet Earth today, there's this crazy thing is in every society, in some societies even more so, uh, some cultures even more, like from a young age, it's like perform, 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 perform. Because if you perform, then it will go well for you and you'll obtain success. Have you noticed how much success they get? What's, what's rising? Suicide, depression, ADHD, all these crazy things we discover, these diseases to label people with. Why? Because the system is broken. It's a global orphanage because it's all about trying to obtain performance, recognition, or another plate of food. And then we carry this. There's two reactions to that. One is, and typical, this is the typical business response, is that they love the system. I was designed for it. I'm an A-type personality, and I'm just going to perform because I know if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to win. <laughs> Are we have any of those people in the room? Yeah. Yes, we do. I mean, uh, <laughs> we have many of those. And the opposite of that, so they'll either perform or the absence of performance which is they rebel from that. And so we've got a whole society which rebel or reject all authority, all performance, all measures, and I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm not going to talk about that because most of you are not like that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting in this room. Is it making sense? So there's two reactions, absence or excess. I want to talk about excess as in I'm going to perform in order to obtain identity. What is success is? My job for the last... 15 years was to sit down with clients and help them identify what success was for them. And then I'd come up with plans of how to realize that success. Uh, as a bank manager, as an agri agriculture consultant, that was what I got paid to do, which is super, super fun. So, but my, my personal journey of learning to live free. So just to give you a bit of context, who's familiar with the um, DISC behavioral styles? Some are. There's a wonderful resource written by Jason Hedge that will help you unpack this. That's some more communication and behavioral styles of DISC. So really, really simply, it's a D-I-S-C. So D being the dominant driving force personality. I being the influencer. Give me the microphone. I'm full of ideas. It's just like I'm happening. My hands are like this. That's the I. The S is more steady, stable. They bring that stability to a situation, really uh, just that lover of people. And the C being the details, uh, conscientious, tend to be more cautious. Of that range of behavioral styles, I'm a 100I, 70D, and then 70S. So it depends which day I can kind of go re relaxed or change the world. That's my personality type. Add in religion to that mix, and what do you get? Someone who's driven, 
and it wants to change the world and you put religion on the top of it, what happens? It just jacks it up. So it becomes this, God needs me, right? Does God need me? Does God need you? Well, that's not what religion tells you. It's like, you better get out there and win the lost. Good God needs you. He's dependent on you. Last time I checked, God doesn't need anything. He's perfect in a relationship. Jesus, Holy Spirit and the Father. He's perfect in love. He's actually perfect in everything. He can make things just like that. So why do you make you? He needs relationship? No, he doesn't need relationship because he's... He is one, Father, Son. So he doesn't, even, he doesn't need nothing. So if God needs nothing, why did he create you? Everything he does is out of desire. Oh, my gosh. I was taught that he needed me. No, no, no. That's just orphan mentality or, or an orphan or religion teaching you that. God does nothing out of need. He does everything out of desire flows from the heart, which is why when you start to live from the heart, from the desire, I serve not out because I need to, I serve because I love. My love motivates me to serve. Is this making sense? And that's just a bonus. So religion just jacks up everything else. So I went from there and growing up in, this, in the Christian home, wonderful parents that love God and taught me that. But just that was the culture and environment that we were in. So I went to this, when I left school, I, I went to a, a cadet training farm. So that's, I was a shepherd. So horse, dogs, 12,000 sheep, 500 cattle. So that was the environment on. So what does this kind of performance and Jesus look like in that environment? Where there were 20 guys, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, and there's one of them that decides to be a follower of Jesus, which was me. So it was the hardest two years of my life, but the best two years of my life in terms of encountering presence. So what did I do? Did I perform? Absolutely. I, be, I won the top junior and the top academic senior. And this is me, just so you know, this is for real. I might look like this now, but that's where I've come from. So I then went to university and I got a first class honours. As in, it's not just, you, it's, First, I've got to be first. I've got to win because we're going to change the world. We're going to have dominion. Isn't that right? Which <laughs> means I've got to win. And if I'm a Christian in business, it must mean that I've got to win. So it means that whatever's the most powerful, I've got to be that. Come on. Come on. Did you just, am I the only one like this? You're just looking at me. So then I, then I won a scholarship to, to be an agricultural consultant. So I worked for this company in New Zealand. It was the leading agricultural company. And I was, so I was a business consultant, which meant I'd sit down, I'd go around different farming clients, and I'd find out how they wanted to grow production, which I'm wired for that. So it would help, you know, whatever their goals were, how can we arrange that for that to improve, whether that's buying another farm, developing the farm they, they were already on, whatever that may be. So within three years, I'd reached what we call this one-ton club, which was a certain amount of net fees, and I was one of the youngest consultants to do that. So what's that more of? Am I performing? Uh, baby, I'm performing really good. I'm, I'm hit, but something's... And it looks like, and it, from the outside, I'm looking good. Am I looking... I was looking really good. <laughs> so after five years of that... Uh, I changed into a new role, which was uh, at the time was National Bank in New Zealand, so the biggest agricultural bank, so still in the agricultural industry. And now my role was around uh, working with farming clients still, but it was farther, rather than just the production, it was their whole, whole situation. So sitting around, and, and we'd do uh, what Rick talked about, the, you know, the, a PDP, or discovery, we call it DPA, discovery, plan, action. We'd sit down, we'd discover what was important to them, what success looked like, and then we'd develop a plan for them to achieve that. And then as the bank manager, so you wanted a bank manager like me, I would use all of my resources to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. And I had a lot of resources. I had more than the average bank manager because 
not, I had a background in farming and a background in consultancy. I'm good at relationships. I'm jacked up in performance because I want you to like me because that's the way that we do evangelism. Either, either that or I become completely offensive to you and I justify it by being, I'm evangelist. It seems to be one or the other. And so, or, and I'd act, or I'd access supernatural resources and see relationships restored. And that was okay, but there was just like this dissatisfaction. So we went from 50 million to 100 million in my portfolio in three years. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, everything grew, but hey, I'm kind of loving my success. Um, I got chosen in this Kellogg. Uh, you're familiar with Kellogg in the States, but there's this a national course in New Zealand where they select, I think it's about 24 l leaders out of the whole of the agriculture and horticulture industry, and they send them to a university for a year-long, um, some of its distance, some of its on-site, a training program, because those are considered to be the future leaders in that industry in the future. So I got selected to go down and do that. So I want to give you this context of, I'm, I'm not, I don't just sit around eight hours in the prayer house, which is wonderful, but that's just not the way I'm wired. I'm a performer. I was designed to perform. I love performing. Uh, work to me is fun. I do it for fun. I just love connecting. What I, that's the way that I'm wired. And I'm guessing that the majority of you are, this, are similar. Is there anybody that would want to confess to that? They, good. There's one or two. So what happened? So seems like this journey of success, of growth, of increase. I get to the point where, God, I want to see more of you in, in my business. I want to see you manifest more of my business and my portfolio with my clients. And God speaks to me out of Isaiah, and it gives me these specific words that kings will follow behind you. And I'm like figuring, this is this year. The kings in my job were the high-level, high-profile clients that we wanted to get off, other, off our competition. And I'm good at it because I understand their business more than their existing bank manager. So I tell my team, who are unsaved, this is what God's told me, and this is what's going to happen this year. With, and I was on the back of this trail of success. So it's obvious. Well, what happens that year? I lost a two, like an $150 million, put, was $100 million portfolio at the time. I lost a $2 million client, like a single $2 million client. It was nothing due to my own behaviors or actions. It was a way bigger and some history with the bank. But I took it personally. Did I take it personally, babe? I was like, I just, this personal... Because I reacted. So I'm figuring, okay, it's a little minor bump, you know. I just, I just need to get up, I need to pray more and make more declarations. Pray stronger in my God language. Memorize some more scripture. And then this is going to turn around, right? So the next year, I lost a $4 million client. Now I'm putting on clients, but my clients I'm putting on are like $50,000, $100,000, like... This is getting embarrassing. The crazy thing is, in spite of all this, I continue to get promoted or pay rises and acknowledged in my, by my boss, but I'm struggling. Like, this is, not, this is not acceptable. So what happened? The next year, a $6 million client walked out the doors. Now, this time it really was personal because you saw me as a shepherd. That was the client. I had, his, I had like 10 years of history as personal friends, and they left. None of these were from personal areas. There, were, there was some, just some crazy stuff going on that was way beyond what I could personally have control over. But I started, I took this personal. What did this look like? In spite of believing in faith and doing my best, I was waking up in the night with anxiety, like three o'clock in the morning. None of you would have done this. Like, Maybe your, maybe your wife or your husband, they, they may have, but not you. Wake up in the night and just anxiety, like worried about what's going to happen. How's this going to work? Well, that deal, how it's going to turn around. It's, it's not fun. And my wife would be communicating some feedback, but I wouldn't 
be really taking it because my purpose is to do well in the marketplace because if God is with me, things will increase and then everyone will look at me and, and come to me, to Jesus. But to me and then to Jesus <laughs> because it's got to be our success that would draw people to him, right? So if God is with me and God's only good, then my life's going to only increase. And I'm experiencing the opposite of that. So I'm waking up. I'm freaking out. I'm scared. What's going on? It's an indication that my identity is based on performance. Anxiety is evidence of an inferior kingdom. Whenever there's anxiety, it's an indication. It's a mirror. Or you would say a mirror. You say a mirror? A mirror. It's a mirror. Say with me, mirror. It is a mirror. It's feedback. Anxiety is evidence of an inferior kingdom. Whenever there's anxiety, it means I need to get reclothed with his presence because his presence is peace. Jesus was a man of peace. If he can walk, if you can walk through a situation where they are physically killing you and still have peace, that means you're winning. I look at Doug and what he walked through. Dealing with prostate cancer and a major lawsuit, and he holds his peace. Wow. Um, that's my Yoda. That's why we call him Yoda. <laughs> try, do or don't do. There is no try. But what does that come from? Does that come from him working harder? Peace only flows. Peace flows like a river. So there'll be something come out of you, and it'll be peace or anxiety. And it's not from trying harder. It's from receiving more. That I've got to be a generous receiver. I've got to become more aware of his presence, of his peace, of his fullness. And then everything around me starts to flourish because I'm cultivating an environment where people, things start to thrive. And then you just check out your bodies again. If you had pain, just keep testing that out. And give me a wave when you experience something so we can just acknowledge what God's doing. Are you with me? These things just start to happen. So what happened? I've got an opportunity or an invitation. So whenever there's anxiety, it's an invitation to a greater measure of peace. That's what it is. That's all it is. Oops, I got some bad some feedback. It's good feedback. Don't like it, but it's an invitation to more peace. I've got to use it to propel me into his presence. Whether that's taking an extra bathroom break in your business, because in your bathroom you can own that place and just refocus. I need to refocus. I need to refocus. It's like the other day, uh, in the middle of some crazy preparation of different things this year, it feels like I'm doing the most that I've ever done in terms of things happening. And I just had to stop myself and just go for a walk. And so I intentionally went to the accounting department here, walked up the stairs and just released peace into them. Who was the one that benefited the most? Me. Just, just a tip. So my wife over this three years had been giving my feedback, but as a typical male, I was not hearing it. Thank you. There is one. There is one of us. There's two of us now. So she's like, dude, you need to sort it out. So one night I'm struggling with this anxiety. I go to bed and she's like, you need to go and sort it out with God. First time I finally hear it. So I, it's like at 10 o'clock at night, rather than going to bed, I just go into my living room. And probably it's the first time in th three years that I just start to pour out to God, where are you? Like, where were you? If you were here, this would not have happened. I don't know if you've read that anywhere. God, if you were with me, I wouldn't have lost these clients. If you were like all of these things, if, and suddenly I just have this encounter with God where it's like he's in the room. I just start weeping as I go through this situation after situation after situation. And what do I see? He's, it's like I saw his feet. I'm on the puddle on the floor, but I saw his feet standing there at each situation that was so painful for me. He was there. He was with me. 
What's my revelation? I'm with you. Well, I thought you've been a Christian for 20 years. What's my revelation? God is with me. What happens? Well, when God is with me, and who's God? Peace, love. When he's with me, it just changes everything. Just check your bodies out again because this feels really good. <laughs> just who's, who's noticed a change in your body? Good. What, what changed? The peace. You're just feeling peace. That's good. That's good. What else? Physically, emotionally, just, just test it out. Just test it. It's free. It's free. So this revelation that God is with me. I'd read this book at the same time. Who's the of John Wooden? Just legendary coach, strong believer. Just his book, Wooden on Leadership. And I read this statement, my value is not based on whether I win or lose, but whether I give my best. And just, I probably read that, that kind of thing hundreds of times, but just like it whacked me. Well, I always give my best. Like I do everything as if it's under the Lord. My value, my identity is not based on whether I win or lose. It's about what I put into the game. So that rocked me. So what happened? I started waking up in the night still, but this time anxious for nothing. And you're thinking, okay, so I've got it, right? I've got, boom, I'm set for life. But what is in the kingdom? The kingdom, Isaiah 9, ever increasing, which means what? It means your last year's growth, <laughs> it's going to be different this year. You're going to continually grow and expand because he loves you so much. He wants more of, more of him and you connected, which means stress, opportunities, stretching, challenge. What did Doug say about change? Change is inevitable. Get used to it. Just get over it. It's just part of life. So we've got to be people that embrace change and run into it. So what happened? Um, I lost those clients. I just better finish that story. So that lost a $2 million, a $4 million, a $6 million client. And then this encounter with God, God is with me. And so then, at the same time, I went to my boss and I said, look, I've been avoiding some of the, the extra promotion opportunities. I just want to make myself available. Anything that you want from me, I'm just here to serve. I'm no longer caring about what people are going to say or not say. So a brand new role comes up in our region. So I was in a local region, a local district, but now it's a regional new business manager. Now, if you were going to employ somebody as a new business manager, what would you be looking for? The person that's lost the most business or the person that's gained the most business? Exactly. You're geniuses. So who, who gets the job? I get the promotion to new business manager. And even before we did that, we put on a $10 million client. They just come jumping into my lap. What am I learning? Thank you, Jesus. This is the best discipleship, Holy Spirit skill on the planet is business. Because I get to do this in life and learn and realize that you want to, you're with me. You're with me in every aspect of this. This internal shift, I give my best, period. I expect increase. I expect the miraculous, but I'm unmoved. Psalm 16, I, I love this. It says uh, in this Psalm, David saying, I've set the Lord before me, always before me, because I'm constantly aware of his presence, I will not be moved. I've set the Lord. I have set peace and his presence always before, before me. I am constantly, because I'm constantly aware of him, I will not be shaken, which means no matter what happens around me, I'm immovable, unshakable, and unstoppable because of his presence in me. So, so I'm thinking, okay, we've got it, right? Boom, me and God, we're sweet, doesn't matter what happens, I'm just going to increase. You think we got it? Unfortunately, and the answer is yes and no. Yes, in the moment, but God's the God of increase, which means there's going to be change. So 2008, just as we're about to start this brand new role, 
God speaks and says, leave everything and go to a brand new country. And I'm just freaking out. Like, uh, was I freaking out? My wife needed like God to speak once. I needed God to speak twice or three times. And I needed like five mentors and leaders, godly men and women that I knew that would agree that this was God for me to do this. We come here, we leave. I just got the point of being established. We come here. I've got a six-figure salary. I've got all the benefits. I've got a superannuation scheme. I've got a house with no debt. And it's a really nice house. We're just having this influence locally, internationally. God, this is not a good business move. <laughs> I'm just set up to have the influence that I wanted, and now we're leaving. And we go to this foreign country where they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> the climate is terrible, and the cuts of meat are completely different. It's, it is true. It is, this is our, it's like, like, Jesus, help us. We come here and I, everything is uncertain. Like everything is uncertain. I'm here on the basis of if someone doesn't like me, I have to leave the country. Back home, education was free. Here, we're paying for it. Back home, the dental. My ch- I've got four children. So at home, that was all free. Here, it's cost, it costs more to live here than it did in New Zealand. It, just this, all of these things. And, we're, and God says nothing. We just like, go there. Like, okay, and? Like, have you realized I've got family? Like, I'm a male and I feel responsibility. I'm getting anxious. Am I supposed to have peace? I'm scared. Like, how am I going to provide? What's, and then... We get, uh, and that's okay for the first three months. Like, it's change, it's transition. Well, that goes on for 12 months, and God doesn't say anything else. Well, what about now? Now we have to sell our house. Well, we, no, we don't have to. We chose to because we believe what God said. We chose to do that. Because, okay, we're, gonna, we're all in. We jump over the edge. Everything, God. So, and then he says nothing more. So we get connected. We turn in this internship with Danny, with Danny Silk, which is crazy amazing, but in the middle of it, it's still uncertainty. Crazy, crazy uncertainty. Nothing is certain. I'm like, God, I used to be able to say, in 10 years, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to have this business plan for this, and this is going to happen. I remember Rick asking me, well, let's put a business plan together. I'm like, I have no idea. I know I'm supposed to know, but I have, I'm clueless. And we get to the point where the money's starting to whittle down. I think we got two years into this. And it's expensive, and it's just money's going, whoo. Like, at what point is it prudential to just cut our losses, go back to New Zealand to my soft, secure job? Soft, secure, soft, and, yeah, soft and secure job. Do I want his presence or do I want certainty? Do I want his presence or do I want certainty? Because with God... There is more of his presence. There's more of him where it's uncertain because he's the impossible God. So if your life's not impossible, are you saved yet? (laughs) Just just messing with you. It takes faith. So if you can work it out, if you can work it out, if you can work it out like up here, then it's probably not God because he's bigger than that. Because he says, lean not on your own understanding which means is why you've got to trust him. So this whole journey of walking with God is all about trust, which means you as business people are perfectly set up to grow so beautiful in a relationship with him because you have to trust him. Is this making sense? This okay? So, so, as a, so we go to Alaska, and I'm thinking on this ministry trip with Danny, I'm figuring it's really busy, so at least... Uh, at least I can keep focused away from all of this and just, and just, because at least if I'm busy, I get to deny what I'm feeling. <laughs> so I'm just going to work harder and be busier and get distracted. Well, we go on this trip and we're at the point of saying, when the money falls to this level, we're going to go home. At, at the time, the vehicle just blew up, the head gasket. So we got another bill for that. Got a $1,500 bill for my son's teeth. It's just like, it's just, this is too much. So I'm going to Alaska with this thought in mind, 
when the money falls to this level, we will go home and we'll just, I'm sure it'll work out. It's been a great learning, but it's, it's time to get back to real life, right? <laughs> so we go to Alaska and there is nothing for me to do. It's all taken care of. <laughs> like I'm thinking I'm going to be busy ministering to people, prophesying, whatever. There is nothing for me to do. It's all taken care of. That is the worst thing that you can give someone who's a high performer. Nothing. And, and we get there in the middle of this worship. I have to worship because there's nothing else for me to do. Like I've got to join in with everybody else. So I've got my hands raised. So I do the, I come to this point where God, I've just got to believe what you said. All of these prophetic words, the promises of what you said. I'm just going to hold on to you. And so I just lift my hands. I said, I am not going to let go. I am not going to let go of you. I'm just going to hold on to you. And if I hit the wall, I hit the wall, but I'm not letting go of the promises. It's like, good man, I'm a man of faith. I, I am going to hold on to you. I, now I'm, I'm messing with me and I'm messing with you. But that was what I was saying. Like, you really think that you're going to hold on to God? And I opened my eyes. And there's this painting that this prophetic artist has painted. And her name's Jamie Bottoms. JamieBottomsArt.com. You can find it. And this is the picture that she's painted. This is like before she'd finished it. So what do you see? What did I just say? God, I'm going to hold on to you. And we see this image of this arm coming down from heaven and this hand coming up from earth, linking together. And we see which is the bigger arm. And if there's any pressure that comes on this connection, who's going to let go? Come on now, that's pretty obvious. Who's going to let go first, me or God? Because his hand's a little bit bigger. I can't even get my fingers around his wrist. So what happened? I have this revelation. He just switches everything on me as he's accustomed to doing. And just laughing at me. You really think you've got to hold on to me? He goes, it's actually not about you holding on to me. It's about me holding on to you. And actually, you can let go. You can let go and he's still got a hold of you. Your business could fail and he's still got a hold of you. Your business could exceed to the point where you are terrified and he's still got a hold of you. Your wife could leave you and come back and he's got a hold of you. And I'm not talking about moral failure. I'm not talking about running away from God. I'm talking, you could not pray one morning. And he's not moved. There could even be a president in office that you don't like. <laughs> and he's not worried. He is completely not worried because he's got a hold of you. So what changes? The uncertainty was really an internal evidence that I wasn't trusting God. It was all still my performance and what I could do. So what changed? I now trust not in my ability to hold on to him, but in his ability to hold on to me. Once you know that he holds you and there's nothing that you can do to get away from his grip, you become fearless. What would you do if you were fearless? You could do anything. If I know that He holds me, I can launch out. I can start a new business. I can expand. I can go into markets that people are terrified of. I can take on risk with wisdom, with my counselors, with all the other appropriate things. But I'm fearless if I know He trusts that He holds me. So what happens? My anxiety about how God's going to do it turns into this anticipation of what he's going to do. I have no idea what he's going to do, but I've got this joyful anticipation that it's going to be good. And regardless of what happens, it's going to work it for good 
so that Joseph can be years and years in prison and has this attitude, but what you meant to harm me, God actually promoted me. And so overnight, you're going from nobody knows you to the, the ruler of the nation. Just making sense? Then we get to this, you think, okay, so now I'm surely I've got it. By now, I've, I must have this straight, right? By now, I surely, like if God's, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I must have it by now. Well, we get to the start of last year and I get this prophetic word from a friend of mine. And she says, whenever you see, whenever you feel restless, somebody wrote a really good book called Restless recently. It was, <laughs> whenever you feel restless, it's a red flag to you that you need to get in his presence. Because when I'm clothed in his presence, what do you feel? Peace. Peace. <laughs> so who, who, does he ever leave you? No. no. So if I'm feeling restless, it means that I have clothed myself with performance rather than presence. Doug Doug, one of those handouts that Doug's done is brilliant for going through. It's, it says from performance to presence that you scale yourself, rank yourself on a series of indices. One's presence, one's performance. Be honest with yourself and scale. Where am I in this continuum? Because it's a continuum. It's something we need to continue check with ourselves. Anxiety is evidence of an inferior kingdom. Restlessness which is the absence of peace, which is the absence of his presence. We were born to live from his presence. When I live from his presence, things start to flow, even in the midst of conflict. And you think that was good, but then we went to Toronto last year in September, and the same thing happened again. But you know why? So that I can give you the message, just like Doug can release the grace in his life, I can release the grace that's on my life so that you know that God is with you. God is with you. If you're experiencing anxiety now, it is an invitation. Anxiety is an invitation to a greater measure of His presence. But will I sit at His feet and hear His voice, or will I just get busy and miss what He's got for me?